welcome to the Day and Night Podcast, an entertainment podcast provided to you by the Northwest Florida Daily News. Today we're going to be talking about cover songs. Um, I'm Savannah Evanoff, the features reporter here, and here are my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Jenny McCann with the Daily News. I'm Brenda Schaffner, the features editor at the Daily News. All right, well, let's just dive in. Um, one of the reasons we chose this topic is because Taylor Swift recently released a cover song or a cover version of Earth, Wind & Fire September, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. I'm actually, it was one of the first songs that really made me feel passionate about music when I was younger. Um, Earth, Wind & Fire is my favorite band. I got to see them last year at Jazz Fest and I actually cried. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit of a confession time. Um, but anyhow, I found out that she did a cover version, and I actually was excited initially. Um, I love cover versions of songs, and I actually love Taylor Swift. I think she's great. Her songs are usually really catchy. I think she's interesting. She's really good at branding. Um, so I'm definitely a T-Swift supporter, and I was initially excited to hear her version of the song. Um, and then I went and listened to it, um, and it was very disappointing. Um, she kind of, one of the things I love most about that song is how joyous it is, and she kind of took all the joy out of the song. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a little bit how I feel. Have you guys heard the version? I did. I went and listened to it after you um, mentioned it, and I would have to say, I mean, I understand where you're coming from on this, but I think if you didn't know the original version, and if you listened to it I guess with kind of, I don't know, with, without any preconceived notions is what I'm looking for there. I, I think I could get to like it. I've seen several comments, and I would agree with these, that it's sort of a more stripped down version of the song. And a lot of people are saying that they think it's bringing Taylor back to her country roots. Because the primary accompaniment is a banjo all the way through. And a lot of people are excited about that. And I'm I'm totally down with T-Swift's countryside. And I like the banjo. And I actually, um, I don't hate it. Like you said, as a song, that's not really what bothers me. It's more just that she felt she had to do it with that song. Um, like, instead, I wish she would have just wrote another original country song. Or gone with something else. <laughs> instead of something quite so iconic as that song. Yeah, that's, um, I actually did not listen to the song, not even for this podcast. I just don't <laughs> feel like I need to put that in my life. Well, and I wish I hadn't. That, that's, the, that's the part that I don't get about cover songs mm -hmm. sometimes is the audacity of some cover songs. Like you said, like that is such a perfect song on its own doesn't need to be covered. Well, I do want to point out that Philip Bailey, one of the original members of Earth, Wind & Fire, um, like what often happens with cover songs, kind of came to her rescue um, and said, you know, was basically said, you know, I'm in support of it or whatever, and everyone has their own interpretation of music. And so I, I appreciated that, and I don't disagree with him. I think music, music is fluid, and everyone has equal opportunity, and art is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. 
But, you know, he probably just supported it because if you listen to a bad cover song, it just makes you want to listen to the original more. So I would like <laughs> so to... So they saw their listen spike? Is that what you're saying? It was actually a revival. Would, yeah, I would love to see, like, after she released this cover song and then see, like, what Spotify looked like maybe, like, five minutes later. It was probably nothing but the original. Right, you're not wrong. What made me laugh is I actually heard a radio show talking about this cover version. And I mean, I was hysterical laughing in the car. I actually was outside of work and didn't come to inside to work because I wanted to hear them talk about this. But the guy was talking about the quote from Philip Bailey, the member of Earth, Wind and Fire. And he was like, Philip, don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> he was like, I don't like this cover. Um, and he was like as upset as I was, but it was like hysterical, like to hear him talk about it. But there you go, Philip. Don't tell us how to feel about it. We don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> we well, like your I, said, I, I think I, it could grow on me if if I gave it a chance. But I definitely see where um, it is so different from the original that if you're, um, you know. A, a huge lover of that particular song by that by Earth, Wind, and Fire, then you're not going to like it. Well, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what makes us like a cover song. And for me, I particularly like when people cover, I don't mind when they cover iconic musicians, but I like it when they approach a more obscure song maybe um, and give it like a little more attention that it deserves instead of trying to um, almost take advantage of an iconic song and then maybe ruin it for the listeners. Um, I hate to say that, but because I'm totally down, like I said, with cover versions, and there are plenty that I really enjoy, but I think it's kind of, you have to be choosy about which songs you choose to do a cover version for, in my opinion. It's a delicate process, for sure. No pun intended, because <laughs> Delicate is one of Taylor Swift's songs. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, on her new album. Making so yeah, I am a Taylor fan. I just want to like justify that, because I felt bad for really tearing this apart, but... I'm still a fan, so it didn't change that. <laughs> um, well, you're talking about uh, which songs to choose, and some of the research I did for this um, included who, who the most covered artists are, <clears throat> and it probably won't be any surprise to people to hear that it's the Beatles, usually. Yeah. Like number one, and Bob Dylan is like number two. That sounds about right. So, yeah, and and specifically songs, and I actually have heard this before, the most covered song in history is The Beatles' Yesterday. Mm. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those songs I think that a lot of people think they can sing, for one thing. <laughs> um, it doesn't have a huge range, for the most part, and, and it's just beautiful, so people want to sing it. You know what's interesting, too, is you said Bob Dylan... Did a lot, but um, is covered a lot. But didn't Bob Dylan do a lot of covers? Well, maybe when he started, I don't know. Well, I mean, that sort of like John Denver. You know, uh, I think Peter Paul and Mary made "Leaving on a Jet Plane" famous, but John Denver actually wrote it and then he recorded it himself later. That's that's so, yeah, true. I think with... a lot of that has gone on, and, and I think maybe with Bob Dylan, it did too. A lot of other people made his music famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he recorded it too, or at least would perform it in live. In it's live kind of like concerts. what came first, the chicken or the it, egg? Well, kinda. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it really is. That's the case when I was looking up like the top cover songs. Like there were so many of them I wasn't aware were cover versions because I didn't know who originally wrote the song. 
Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. And that, like you said, those are the, those people got famous for a cover song. Well, okay. So you knew I would have to bring this up. Um, Donny Osmond, <laughs> his first, re- well, I think it was his first really huge hit was Puppy Love in 1972. Well, to me, listening to that 1972, I had no idea that it was a cover song. Mm-hmm. Paul Anka actually made the song famous in 1959. So there's such a huge time span there that when someone does a cover like Donnie did of a song that's almost 20 years old, right? You know, the, How the would audience you... he was doing it for isn't going to know that. Yeah. And what was funny to me when I researched this is that there actually have been two more covers of that done um, in the in the 2000s. A band called Celtic Thunder did one in 2008, which was really awful. I have to say, I listened to both of these. (laughs) But then a group that I think maybe was associated with a TV show, I'm not sure, called S Club 8, did a cover of it in 2002 that was actually pretty cute. I I think that's S Club 7. Oh, well, it said 8. Oh, unless that was a a re... Maybe they added another member. Yeah, they had that one song, S Club. (laughs) We have that on my god tape now. So anyway, I mean, I I mean, I I thought that was fascinating that the song had been done two more times. You know, in the. I was hoping Jenny was going to join me on that chorus. Um, I will interject. I think Brenda, our listeners, can play a drinking game with your Donny Osmond references. I love it. And I think that brings up a good, that, you know, follows back to what you were saying, Savannah, though, is that music is fluid. And, you know, it's all subjective, but some things are just... Bad? Yeah. It's okay to admit that some things are bad from every perspective. (laughs) Well, and there are a lot of really bad covers. I mean, I want to talk some more about some good ones, but um, the list of bad ones were actually pretty funny. Um, I, the one I keyed in on was Rolling Stone asked its readers, and they came up with a list of a top ten. Poor Britney, she made it on there twice, and, and she was one of the first ones I thought of as a bad cover. Britney Spears covered Rolling, the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It was awful. She just kind of like heavy breathed the whole song. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, really, really bad. And she made the Rolling Stone list with that at number five, and she also made it with her cover of I Love Rock and Roll. <laughs> okay, so what's funny is there was a girl at my talent show when I was in like middle school or something that did a cover of Britney's cover of that song. Oh my god. It was equally bad. Well, but but and this is uh, this song has both a good uh, cover and a bad cover and that's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, obviously a Beatles song. I love Elton John's cover of that song. It's just amazing. But the cover that is just laughable is William Shatner's. Yes, William Shatner ah. did a cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I don't know if I've heard it. He just talks it. I've oh. heard it before, but I re-listened to the first bit of it just to remind myself of how awful it is. And it's just one of the worst. I can't Talk, even imagine. You know, talk singing is not that appealing. And I think a lot of artists try it on cover versions because I've noticed there's a tendency with cover versions to slow songs down yes. and make a slower version of the song. Right. And that tends to lead to some of that talk singing. Well, that's and it's just of, not that appealing. It's, it's late. 
lazy. It's I not, think it's lazy. It's lazy. That's exact. That's the right word for it. And he made the Rolling Stone list as well. But that, that's just one of the worst covers I've ever heard. <laughs> Is that Lucy? And well, and that's actually like with the talk singing. That's kind of how I felt about Taylor Swift's September because I felt like it did not show the dynamics of her vocals at all. Her vocal range was so stagnant the whole song, and that was part of the problem I had with it too. It just it didn't even show off her you know talent to be honest i think there's like a math equation for like how bad a cover song will be is like in like directly proportionate to how much you like the original song too you're not wrong if people if people cover a michael jackson song i'm going to grade them so much more harshly than if they cover a song that i don't care about sure well since you bring up michael jackson songs (laughs) i did want to bring up um the civil wars version of billy jean that was so popular when it first came out i mean it just blew up on social media in fact i still see it today and i'm pretty sure they released that several years ago Mm -hmm. it is and i've heard other people do it too before them Sure, that just, that one got so popular, it's like the first one that comes to mind. In fact, we actually had a band come to the newsroom for a concert that did a rock and roll cover of that song. Um, It was very rockin' and high energy. Um, God, I don't know why I just used high energy, that's a major buzzword in the music industry. (laughs) Forgive me for my sins. All live performances are high energy. It it was intense, I'll say that instead. But anyhow, the Civil Wars version of Billie Jean... um, is beautiful um, vocally. It shows yeah. off. I think why I like it is it because it shows off what they can do. Um, so even though I definitely like the original better, um, I think what helped is that they they showed off their talent. Like if, if I can feel the talent there, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, it was worth doing. Yeah. But if I don't see the talent, then I'm like, well, why did you waste it? You know, to do a song like that when you didn't need to, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think a lot of um, interesting covers end up being done on these talent shows like American Idol and The Voice. Voice. Um, A few that immediately came to mind for me was Adam Lambert's Mad World. Okay. He was just, uh, that was an amazing rendition of that song. And it was a slowed down, stripped down version too. I mean, the song itself is is pretty uh, intense anyway, but... He did a great job with that. Well, I um, wrote down um, from The Voice Season 2, Lindsay Paveo did Heart-Shaped Box, um, Nirvana's Heart-Shaped Box, and that song's iconic, but I loved her version. It was kind of like a folk, like indie rock style. Um, she didn't differ too much from the original, but she did take some, you know, liberations with it. Um, I but, think changing an iconic song like that can really work if they, if they keep the basic melody... And don't Intact. mess with that yeah. too much. Uh, You're right. It's when they start giving whole different phraseology and notes to the songs that sometimes right. it doesn't work. I do like actually how the how American Idol and The Voice are kind of like bringing more covers to the forefront. I actually like hearing a lot of these singers, you know, give it give it a shot. It's a pure numbers game. With that many people doing cover songs, you're going to get some really good ones. Yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. 
Are there some songs, and I can think of one that I think most people think, where the cover is better than the original? Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, the one that I, I see a <laughs> I, lot is... We're all nodding our heads in I here. I Will Always Love You. A lot of people think Whitney Houston's version is better than Dolly Parton's. To me, it's a toss-up because I love Dolly, and mm-hmm. she wrote the song. So for me, she will always be the you know the perfect performer for that song. But of course, Whitney has the vocal um, you know awesomeness that yeah. th- that just blows the song out of the roof, basically. And so, her version has become iconic. It is. I think a lot of people, you know, depending on their age, don't even know mm-hmm. that, like it's, I said. It's a cover. Yeah, exactly. The one that comes to mind that's better than the original for me is Johnny Cash's Hurt. Um, oh. So that's an original Nine Inch Nails song, um, and he covered it, and obviously it ex- it received amazing critical acclaim when i first heard it i didn't know it was a nine inch nails song obviously now i do um but his version is just incredible in fact it's one of my favorite johnny cash songs oh that's a good one i can't think of a favorite because i'm kind of ambivalent about cover songs well, I know there are some people, again, it probably is an age and generation thing, um, and I just heard this song, uh, I'm a Believer. I knew this song by the Monkees and uh, Mickey Dolan singing it, but it became famous when Smash Mouth... Yeah, I was about to say, was it Smash Mouth? Did, did oh. a cover of it, and then it was featured in the movie Shrek. And right. They also do uh, the Fort Walton Beach High School kids. Jenny, Jenny is shaking it. her head right now. Uh, <laughs> well, they also performed it in the in the stage production, Shrek the Musical. Jenny so. hates Smash Mouth with a passion. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm not saying that their version is better than the Monkees because I was a huge Monkees fan. They were in my you know teen years. Well, actually before that, but um, but I think it's one of those songs that if that's the only version you know, then you're going to think it's great. Well, and I want to talk too about how cover versions can bring unknown musicians to the surface. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that comes to mind is Outkast's Hey Ya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. um, Obadiah Parker redid that song. This is a singer-songwriter out of Arizona. If you Google his name, Hey Ya comes up. Huh. I mean, like, I don't even know any of his other songs, but he did a slowed down version of that song acoustically um and it was gorgeous like everyone liked it and it just gave the song such a new flavor without um kind of ruining the original the fun of the original it's just a whole different vibe and I kind of felt like that was the right way to do a cover but I mean it blew up I mean again that song is on um Spotify you know what I mean now like he's kind of come to fame because of it um sadly I don't know any of his other songs but I did want to talk another way that artists are taking advantage of iconic songs is when they pick a song like that to cover, it'll come up higher on YouTube because so many people search for it. Um, So a lot of like metal and punk bands like are redoing pop songs, which I actually like. Um, Like if you search punk goes pop on YouTube, there's like channels for that. Um, For instance, I Prevail did Taylor Swift's Blank Space. Saw that all over Facebook. Um, It's actually kind of fun. And then a group called Our Last Night did Ed Sheeran's Shape of You and did Camila Cabello's Havana. And Havana was hilarious because they screamed the chorus. (laughs) Um, I I kind of like it. Like, I don't know what it is, but hearing a pop song in a metal or rock version is like really gratifying in a weird way. 
Um, so I highly encourage you to go to YouTube and check these out. They also did um, Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do, which made sense because that's kind of an angrier song. Like the lyrics are a little bit angry. Mm -hmm. So for a metal song, it totally worked. Works. Yeah, I, I was like, those lyrics are not wrong. Um, so those are kind of funny. And then another way I've seen it done is there's a guy named Richard Cheese who does like these like elevator jazzy scat versions of songs he did disturbs down with the sickness so it's kind of the opposite he covered a metal version and made it not metal like um and then That's he funny. also did um like welcome to the jungle um so for me i really like it when artists um take a genre and make it into a completely new genre well, that's um, weird al yankovic and he's a exactly that's I a good example of that and then like anya marina singer songwriter did um whatever you like like a rap song you know what i mean and that was super it was my ringtone at one point back when ringtones were a thing um <laughs> well i bring this song up quite a bit i know but i uh, it's also a cover song that i think falls into a couple of the things you're talking about i think it introduced reintroduced a song to people a younger generation who may have pa passed it over and also completely different put it in completely different genre and that's over the rainbow by the hawaiian artist israel and i'm going to try his last name <laughs> it is i think kamakawanoli unfortunately he's no longer with us but he uh combined over the rainbow with what a wonderful world I and have turned it that. into a reggae song. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if all you know is the Judy Garland version of Over the Rainbow from Wizard of Oz, um, or you don't know it at all, or you think it's just, you know, your grandpa and grandma's song, this version really brought it to a fresh new uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. Or, um, okay, which one came first? Was it Jeff Buckley or Leonard Cohen, Hallelujah? I think it was Jeff Buckley covered Lenny, Leonard Cohen. That has to be one of the most covered songs also, yeah. since you bring but that I up. I think Jeff Buckley did it the best. And it also saved Jason Castro one season on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to be uh, voted out, I think, but he performed that song. and, and Did he say hallelujah afterward? I'm not sure. <laughs> job he did a good job and and it's um you know it is what he became known for during his idol appearance some of my favorite covers are of 80s songs um so one example is it's my life from no doubt that's, that's a originally one. a talk talk song and then another one was um somebody's watching me by rockwell and i forgot to write down the name but there's a female um vocalist who did a version of that that's slower and kind of um but it still has almost like a mysterious sound just like you know the original yeah. um because the song about someone's watching you basically <laughs> um but i really like 80s covers for some reason those tend to um be some of my favorites and i think it's because 80s the synthesizers the sound is very cheesy so there's a lot you can do with that like you can turn it into a completely serious song um by simply taking that away <laughs> and to circle back on your like pop punk covers um my boyfriend quentin was in a punk band in high school that's how i met him what was it called stereotype <laughs> oh um and they were not the best they weren't the worst either but Quentin did a 
punk cover of Ice Ice Baby. And to try to impress him. I want to hear this so bad. (laughs) I have videotapes of it. Yes. Um, And to try to impress him, like, I made it, like, my lot in life one weekend to learn all of the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby so I could, like, sing along with him. And he was very That is so sweet and ridiculous. And to this day... I can stop, collaborate, and listen. Well, it's funny you say that because, like I mentioned before, I like when genres switch up, and I like a lot of rap covers. Like, there are so many, and I know all the rap lyrics to so many different songs because they're slowed down in the cover version. So when the real version comes on, I know every lyric down to, like, the ones you can't hear. I know them all now because of cover versions. Now I'm like, now I know what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like the kids bob version you know yeah exactly exactly i thought of the one rap cover i was thinking of before is i can rap every word to hot in here oh um because jenny (laughs) owen youngs did a version of that song and honestly it is the best because there's a part in that song hot in here where like there's like a female chorus and they're like it's getting hot in here you know they're being like second time she's sung and yeah sad um, but in this like girly voice, well, when she does her cover version, she has a male chorus that does that part, and they're like, "It's getting on here," you know, all low, all low in their deep voice. And I it's, like it. It's like the best role reversal ever. So, like, I highly recommend that cover. But I can sing every lyric to um, "Hot in Here," just in case anyone wants to request that. <laughs> That's your little party trick. <laughs> yeah, basically. We're going to conclude the episode with our DN dish, which is something entertainment related that we're really into right now. And I'm going to let Jenny start because she prepared one today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this is an oldie but a goodie. Um, And I have been rewatching my old Sex in the City DVDs. And... You know, I started watching this show when I was in high school, and I know that sounds scandalous, but I was I watched it in high school, too. Yeah, I was not at all, like, watching it for, you know, the sex part. I liked... The city? Yeah, I liked the city. (laughs) I liked that it was these four diverse women, not totally diverse, you know, they're all white and straight, but... um, Are they all straight? Yes. I think there was a brief period where they weren't. Yeah, but I I don't know. But, um, you know, there's just these four women who love each other above all else. My DN dish this week is The Handmaid's Tale Season 2. Starts on Hulu, actually today, April 25th. Um, they gave me access to the first six episodes. And if you are a fan of the first season, I don't think you'll be disappointed. There's a whole list of things that I'm not allowed to tell you, uh, just to be fair. But um, I've been impressed. They've kept up the intensity. Elizabeth Moth is uh, just amazing as ever as um, June. And I think you'll enjoy it. If you liked the first season, I can recommend the beginning of the second one so far. Awesome. Well, my DN dish is something local. Um, I recently did an article about a Fort Walton Beach swimsuit designer. Um, her brand is called Meraki Swim, and um, her 
she sells it on Etsy under Meraki Swim as well as at Fluid Surf Shop in Fort Walton Beach. Um, I actually bought one of her swimsuits. It's so cute. All her swimsuits are cute and she's really sweet. Um, and I just think it's super cool that she has like her own business designing swimsuits and she does it out of her home. And they're super quality work. I mean, it's just neat knowing that literally like a few blocks away, like someone's doing that out of their home. It's just really creative and cool. So really excited about that. Um, Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.